Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Good morning, Matt. Morning, Stu. We start a new book of Thrive uh, yeah. today, and and I've kind of been mindful actually. We 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 do these podcasts, and lots of people tune into the podcast who probably don't know that these are connected to a, a Thrive Bible Reading Guide. Good point. Um, and so I thought I'd just flag that with people if you want to find out more about the Bible Reading Guide, which is available either in the printed edition or as a digital ebook. Go to thrivetoday.tv. And what we're doing is we're we're following sort of the pattern of that Bible Reading Guide over the next three months as we look at. Uh, Ezra right through to the book of Malachi and uh, mm. interesting time in the life of the people of Israel. Yeah, that's right. I like to think of this as your fortnightly Bible study. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, in-depth yeah. Bible study. Fantastic. <laughs> Matt, we're going to try to work through the books of Ezra and Haggai, mm-hmm. but there's some interconnectedness between some of the other books we're going to cover mm. as well. So, so listeners, you might find us sort of referring to other books that are in this sort of series of, of studies that we're going to do, particularly Ezra and Nehemiah, but also Haggai, obviously. So understand that these books are sort of covering a similar historical period. And so there is there is some overlap in terms of how they relate to each other. So uh, kicking off with the book of Ezra, just good to note that the books of Ezra and Nehemiah appear in our Bibles as kind of two separate books, but originally they were two parts of a single book. It's only really in recent times that they've been sort of separated out. Uh, we also know that the timing around these, if we remember the, the book of Chronicles, and we're not really sure, sure who the author of the book of Chronicles was, but the last sort of bit of the book of Chronicles is sort of the first, yeah, repeated right. in the first part of the book of Ezra. So that kind of gives us a little bit of a connection in terms of historically. Of course, we also, flagging back to our study of the book of Kings, there's a long history there that we've mm. covered of the two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. We know that Israel fell first to the Assyrians, who mm. were the ruling empire at the time, uh, and were dispersed. Then, of course, later, Judah suffered a similar fate. The people were taken into Babylon, who mm-hmm. at that stage, the Babylonians had sort of become the uh, the ruling nation uh, of the area. The people from Judah were taken into captivity in, in Babylon. Mm-hmm. They were there for quite some time. In fact, uh, as we know again from the prophecies of Isaiah and others, it was really 70 years from the time they were taken into exile until the time they returned Mm. to the temple in Jerusalem. Mm. Probably about 50 55 years in captivity as such. Mm. So probably... Because there, there are a few deportations. Yes. Probably, I mean, 70 was meant to just be around, that's their version of a round, a round figure. But actually, uh, pretty much from the time when probably Daniel and his friends went into exile on the first deportation, around probably 605. Yeah, right. Uh, a lot of people think. I think 538 BC is around uh, where you have this 537 uh, when Babylon falls yes. to the Persian. Versions, and this decree goes out, and so you know they're they're probably back around five thirty nine, yeah. five thirty eight, five thirty nine. Yeah. And before we jump in there, because the decree is kind of where we kick off with with Ezra, it's important to note that although for the Judeans who were now in captivity in, in Babylon, they probably thought God was done with them. You know, this mm. was their. You know, mm. I think there was a realization that that God was kind of in a sense metering out His justice for their mm. behavior over the time. At the same time, there was a group of them who realized uh, or came to realize as they dug back into scripture Mm. that actually God was part of this plan and they were still 
part of his yeah. uh, part of his plan as well. And he hadn't actually finished with them, and so even though these events would have seemed pretty catastrophic to them and like the mm. end of the world, the reality was there was a group of there was a remnant of them there mm, who absolutely who recognised the importance of their God and their their faith and uh, yeah, and you, you can you can infer some things actually about that group from the beginning of uh, of Ezra. Right, yeah. Well, first of all, we know from the prophecies of Daniel uh, and Ezekiel, certainly from Daniel, that there were there, there was a faithful core yep. there, um, yep. who and some amazing things happened, and and they were receiving some amazing visions. And if you look at Ezekiel as well, these are amazing visions that mm-hmm. they're receiving, and not only visions explaining why th- this had happened, but visions of hope and so forth, and so. You get the sense that there is something of a religious revival that happens actually in in exile. Yes, in you know, exile. so it's like at the bottom of the barrel experience. That's where there's this this sense of renewal, and the fact that this many decades later, there's still a distinct people mm. to even. Mm be identified yeah. and to be able to send back. That actually is quite remarkable because the policy of the Babylonians was to draw, yeah, yeah, was assimilation, that they would assimilate and just lose their, their any their sense identity. of identity, but mm-hmm. they didn't. And the fact that they didn't uh, tells of, I guess, the renewal of their sense of identity uh, in who they were as God's people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and there's even evidence here that the Levites were even keeping up their training for the time when, because uh, of they course Ezra, yes, as, as right. we're going to see, you know Ezra is going to gather together some uh, some Levites yeah. who who were living in a certain area and seem to seem to have kept up their traditions enough that they could come back and yeah. you know and, and you know so that's quite remarkable yeah. actually. And then you know for those people then for this decree to go out, yeah. uh, so just to explain the history, no, that's good. The, the fall of Babylon is quite an amazing story in itself. Now, we talked about that at the end of uh, the episode uh, on Daniel, so I won't say too much about that, but they came in in one night. Uh, Babylon fell. It was on the same night as the famous story of the writing on the wall with Belshazzar when he pulled out the, the sacred articles of the temple. Uh, those sacred articles are going to come up again here. Yes. Okay. Yep. Now, he was treating them as profane objects. They were just going to have dinner with them, mm. and that's a big no-no in, in, you know, at, this, at this time. Mm. So... Uh, Cyrus is leading, you know, is the Persian leader. He takes over Babylon. And and his policy, in fact, the policies, policy of the, those that come after him is is different to what the Babylonians did. Because what, what Babylon or Syria, for example, would do, they would come in, they would defeat the nation, and they would take the images of their gods as trophies of war, and they would take it back to – so they would destroy the temple. So it was, it was a belief that our God is – has defeated your God, and so we destroy your temple and we take uh, the images of your God back to uh, our temples. Yeah, you know. So we see, for example, in in the Book of Samuel, there's a story about that where yes. the Ark of the Covenant gets taken back and put in the Temple of Dagon. So, but of course, in this case. With the Babylonians, they didn't find any images. All there was were, were all these sacred articles and everything. And and but so they take that's as good as they can get. So they take uh, that back. Mm. Now the the Persian policy was different to that. And there's a famous uh, archaeological find, the Cyrus cylinder, very famous Cyrus cylinder, where uh, Cyrus proclaims his you know dedication to Marduk, but also his respect for the gods mm. uh, of the nations. So Marduk was their god. Yeah, that's god. right. Yeah. And. And so what we see there is a different way of thinking because Cyrus would have felt that all the gods in a way had 
somehow engineered him being in the position that he was. And and certainly from the Jewish point of view, there was probably some reason for that because, mm. uh, you know, there were the prophecies of Isaiah and there were the prophecies of Daniel and so forth. And so if these had come to his attention, that would have confirmed for him this idea that, well, the, the gods of these, you know, people are, have, yeah. have helped me and I, and I am where I am because of that. But in any case, it was his policy uh, you know, and and I think it wasn't just a matter of you know clever diplomacy. Well, I was going to say that I wonder whether it was because they observed what had happened to other empires that had tried to yeah. squash the stuff and realised that a lot of maybe know, we should try just, something different yeah, instead of squashing everything. <laughs> let's let yeah. them have some level of yeah. autonomy on some things. That's right. Uh, so let's not squash the gods. Yeah. And and I mean, yeah. maybe you know maybe the writing on the wall thing, Belshazzar when he brought out the sacred. Totally. Art, I mean, you know, these are things that happen. So yeah. it, it makes sense that. You know, the, and these, as a, again, the, these are polytheists, so they yes. believe in many gods. Yeah. So he's probably thinking, "I'm not not, not only am I, yeah, I'm not only am I not going to mess with these gods, like yeah. you know, take their images back and destroy their temples, yeah. but I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to actually repatriate any surviving peoples mm. uh, back to their homelands. I'm going to fund, and this is quite remarkable. Yeah, absolutely, he actually is going to fund the rebuilding uh, of the, the temple, temple so that, as ex- as expressly says here, and 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 here we get into the beginning uh, of the book of Ezra. So I might actually read the first. Yeah, part. No, it's quite quite important. In the that'd first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfil the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. Now, this is important mm-hmm. because it's the same pattern and the way that all the whole Old Testament is is structured. It's word fulfilment, you know, promise. Fulfillment, promise, fulfillment. Okay, uh, but this is important. This is momentous for this people. Oh. Momentous for the Jews. Yeah, you know, I mean, they yes, they they'd found their faith, but here, God honors their faith. They are seeing the faithfulness of God. Really momentous. And can I just say before you carry on there? Yeah, because you said one thing before about this remnant. You know, the thing they went back to was the word. Yeah, that was the thing that actually regenerated yeah. their. Yeah, that's sense right. Of, of community and faith, and and so you know, it, it's interesting, isn't it? When we they found themselves in the darkest place, and they went to the word. Isn't it true for us yeah, as well? Absolutely. Often, when we're in the darkest place in our lives, we go back to God. We go so to His good. word, and suddenly we see God in in our situation. Yeah, you know, and even if it doesn't change straight away, we see Him in that's our right. situation. Yeah, and actually, it's dr- it was during the exile that they really become the people of the word. Yeah. Their lives were oriented more around ritual before yeah. uh, when they had the temple, but now you know they're they're a people of the word, and so this is why one of the most prominent people. Ezra, he's a scribe, right? right? Yeah. He's one of the people that copies it out. So he you didn't, I mean, you had that before, but not. it's not as prominent. Now mm. there are people, the word and scribes are going to become very, very prominent uh, amongst the Jewish people. And of course, when you read the Gospels, you read all about the scribes and the Pharisees. Yes. Right? Yeah. The scribes emerge out of this period. The Pharisees uh, are going Amazing. to come during the Maccabean revolt. Uh, that's something that happens Sorry, later. I yeah. No, 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 it's good. It says, so it goes on, it says, the Lord moved the heart of of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and, and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. So again, see, he's acknowledging. I mean, again, he's not. It's this is not because he's necessarily recognizing that Yahweh is the only God. No, he's a polytheist. And yes. so 
he, he's doing this sort of with everyone in a way. Yeah. The, for these people, this is important to them. That's right. So I'm going to say That's and right. do this for these people over there. It's that. And he, and he thinks, he, you know, he suspects that they're real, that these yes. gods are real. So he's going to yep. um, honor them all. Yeah, he's going to honor them all in the hope of, of getting help from them. Uh, any of his people, it goes on, among you uh, may go to Jerusalem and Judah to build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver, gold, with goods and livestock, and with freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Now, what does that remind you of, Stu? The, so they're, they're, they're going to go out, set, they're going to be set free from captivity, mm-hmm. and, they're gonna, and, and all of their neighbors are going to give them gold and silver. Silver and it sounds like the exodus exactly from Egypt, right. doesn't it? Exactly so right. here, this is a kind of second exodus yeah. uh, happening uh, here. That's the significance of that. And, and it's that momentous. This is a new people. This is a rem- In fact, the word survivors there, any local- locality mm-hmm. where survivors m- may now be living, it's similar word to remnant. Yes. You know, yep. He's acknowledging the fact that there are people that are that still identify as Jewish people in his uh, in his realms, and they're identified as these survivors. Yeah, um, which is amazing that here's this king of Persia who's now you know the most powerful nation in the yeah. known world, or, or certainly in that part of the world anyway, who's who's basically acknowledging this and not only saying, "Okay, off you go, figure it out yourselves." He's yeah. going, "Off you go," but I'm going to help you make this happen. You yeah, know? I that's mean, right. It's it's yeah. yeah, it's astounding. No, that's right. So initially, the person that leads this. Uh, so by the way, Ezra isn't here. We're going to. No, that's e- right. Ezra is some decades later. Mm. Um, so Ezra is going to go over. But the first lot of people that go over are actually led by a guy called Shesh Bazaar. Great names here, Stu. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Zerubbabel is going to really take over from Shesh yep. Bazaar. Some people think they could possibly be the same person, but more likely what the writer of uh, Ezra ha- has done, could possibly Ezra himself, uh, has telescoped the two yes. the two people or the careers of the two people. So initially it's uh, Shesh Bazaar and then uh, you know, uh, Zerubbabel uh, becomes more prominent uh, as the leader. Uh, it says in verse uh, 11, with all these articles of silver and gold, Sheshbazar brought all these along with the exiles, and they came up from Babylon to Jerusalem. Mm. Uh, and this really marks a turning point. That Those words, from Babylon to Jerusalem, marks a turning point, one of the great turning points in yeah. Old Testament history. Just before you move pa- past that, you know, the 30 gold basins, the 29 silver knives, the 410 various silver bowls, etc. It's important to note these were the articles that were yeah. taken from the temple originally. Yeah. And now yeah, that's right. Cyrus is doing his best to return yeah. what was taken. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So we have in, in the next chapter, we have this list of people. Interesting. It, it doesn't. Mm. Y- you wonder, hang on, why are we getting a list of all, all of these names? Mm. And this is because individual the identity of individual people within the biblical framework is very important god works with particular people it's not just uh people an anonymous crowd yeah. Yeah. um no he's calling certain people into and these are people who responded to the call uh, who left lives remember they'd been here for decades yeah um yeah uh, you know most of them for about 50 55 years They've been, yeah, that's, that's right. a long time, right? Long You're time. really settled. I mean, I've only lived in Geelong, you know, for, I yeah. don't know, 30, yeah. 30 odd years. And, and this is 55 years, so they're well and truly And potentially uh, two generations. 
Potentially, two gen- because they had children absolutely. a lot younger no, than absolutely. these two generations. Yeah, these are two generations. Mm. And so they've really made lives for themselves. Mm. There's every indication that many of the Jewish people even prospered in uh, because of just archaeological records indicate with Jewish names associated with business dealings and mm. so forth that they actually really did do quite well, right? So they've got businesses as a people, they're doing well, and yeah. yet there's a remnant yeah. that respond to this call. Why? Well, expressly so that they can go back and can continue in this prophetic tradition. They are going to fulfill prophecy. Yeah. That's what they're that's yeah. what they're in this for. And so these this so this is why these names are recorded, because these are people who are you know are, are going for this purpose and they're also genealogy is very important in the Jewish way of thinking yes. and being yeah. part of the covenant people and so forth. Yeah. Um so they go back initially they um they rebuild the uh, the altar. That's that's the first thing. I find that interesting, Stu. First thing they do when they get back. Yeah, I because I, normally mm. you would build a house and then put the furniture in it, mm. and then perhaps build the furniture. Yeah. Here they don't start by rebuilding the temple. They mm. rebuild the altar that's in the temple, mm. and they offer sacrifices on that altar before anything else. I think this is a wonderful. Mm. Well, the uh, altar that's way of doing things on its own, really, because the temple hasn't been. No, that's Rebuild right. Yet. So, yeah. so, so they're basically on the big, your big slab uh, of ground that's on the left. on the top that's of right. the the hill there yeah. um, in Jerusalem, yeah. and and they've built, built this altar. this altar and they're sacrificing burnt offerings and mm. and I mean, they, they begin with worship. Yeah. They begin with an yeah. act of worship. Uh, that's the first thing that they do, and I think this is a wonderful moment. And mm. for them, uh, you know, it would have been a wonderful moment to rebuild this altar. And uh, they brought free will offerings, and they, you know, they celebrated this momentous occasion where they're able. What you know, f- you, I mean, this is the first time in seventy years yeah, when they've right. been able to actually offer these sacrifices, sacrifices at the altar the in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah, so Spot it's a wonderful, on. wonderful moment. Really good. So then they they actually what they do now is that they set the foundation uh, of of the temple. So the foundation of the temple has to be a kind of platform platform as it is today. I mean the platform that's there today is much bigger. It was extended by Herod the Great um, uh, hundreds of years later. Yeah. But they they're going to lay the the foundation, and and also the foundation stones for the actual you know temple building itself. Mm. And this is the interesting thing, and, and I just want to point out a, a feature of the book of Ezra that you get here, because, you know, they lay this foundation, there's rejoicing, there's fulfillment, you know, it's this climactic moment, you know, when they lay the foundations and they, you know, present these offerings. But throughout the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, there's this kind of climactic moments, but then yeah. moments of anticlimax yeah. as well and and uh it's interesting that the bible project do a really great uh, video on this where they okay. where they highlight the structure the Ezra Nehemiah structure around these climax and anticlimaxes and what they basically point out is that these anticlimaxes are actually important because they anticipate something beyond right. the post-exilic period right. which of course as christians is very important because there's an element of unfulfillment in this fulfillment, a very important element of unfulfillment mm-hmm. in this fulfillment. Now, for them, they're thinking we're going back. This is the messianic age, right? Yes. We're going back. I mean, Zerubbabel is a descendant of, of Jehoiachin, yes. the king. So he's That's a Davidic right. descendant. He's However, he's not made king. Mm-hmm. And then when the temple uh, is built, 
uh, it's not really as it's clearly not as great as Solomon's temple. And in fact, uh, some of them it, were weeping. Yeah, some of them were that's joyous. right. It says in verse twelve of chapter three, but many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. So there's this mixture of you know of joy and and but but also sorrow because there's something of an anticlimax here. And again, what we, what we'll see is that you don't get the return of the glory to the temple as it did in Solomon's time. So there's this really weird anticlimax thing going on. Yeah. And again, as from a Christian point of view, that's really important yeah. because this isn't yet the oh, message. This is an age of fulfillment. This is amazing fulfillment, but it highlights what is yet to be fulfilled. Yeah. And in sense, points forward to the fact that we. We sort of have our expectations on how God's going to do things, but yeah. he usually does them completely different. Yeah, that's and right. And if you look at Jesus, you know, and the expectation of the Jews and the people around yeah. him of how his kingdom was going to come, it was just not at all what we expected. Yeah, that's God's right. God's ways are not our ways. Yeah, that's right. But then they get some opposition. They do. And, and in fact, you know, opposition is going to happen uh, all along the way. And actually the story, uh, both in Ezra and Nehemiah, is a story of God's faithfulness to his people in the face of opposition. Yeah. So that's a big theme throughout this book. So what in chapter four the writer's going to do, he's going to talk about uh, the opposition. So once they start rebuilding, it says in verse four, the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid of build- building. They bribed officials to work against them, to frustrate their plans and so forth. So what the writer does now is that he... From verse 6, and it's a little confusing, but verse 6 of chapter 4 right down to verse 23, you've got to kind of put in brackets um, because what what he does here is he's going to show that this is a pattern now of opposition. And so he's lumping all the opposition together under not only... Uh, under Cyrus, but also uh, under uh, Darius, Xerxes, Artaxerxes. You know what I mean? He's basically going to show that this has always been the case. So, um, And some people would suggest, uh, well, it has been suggested that that these people were in Samaria, potentially the Samaritans that are mentioned later where where they sort of continued perhaps some of the religious rituals, not in exile, but in the surrounding lands. And, And now they were going, no, hang on, where the... You know, and and the, then the the remnant that have come back are going. No, no, uh, we are kind of thing. And so that that may have been where the tension between the Samaritans yeah. and the Jews actually began. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, so th- there, and and this is the this is really the the core, as you say, of this. I mean, they they want to be involved, but this yeah. mixed yeah. this mixed sort of people group and and you can sort of I know it sounds it sounds harsher than oh yeah you know like surely because and again part of the messianic age is all you know the prophecies said you know people will come from different nations and you know they will build the temple of the Lord together now you know I think that's remarkably filled in the the true temple of the Lord which is the church you yes, know is yes. I think that's very much fulfilled uh, in the church because remember the temple was always a symbol mm-hmm. of the true temple which yeah. is people yeah. right which is us mm. um but here they're saying no no when they come hey let us help you build they're saying no 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 you 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 have no part in this uh sounds harsh but remember they had survived in exile totally because they had kept their distinct identity as a people you know yeah. and so they at this stage at least they don't want to be uh in 
you know, in cohorts with no, these right. people that were syncretists. The, mm. the Samaritans were yeah. syncretists. And so. important too that Cyrus didn't send them back to build a nation with a new king. They sent them back yeah. for their religion, for yeah, that's their right. faith. And so yeah. protecting all the things that made that pure and unique to them was important. That's and right. we see that as we go further on into the text where, uh, well, actually, before we go further on, it's interesting that the, the correspondence between you know, the King Cyrus yeah, and then yeah. back and arguing about whether the temple should be built or shouldn't be built yeah. and the pause in the temple building and then the, re- the restart again, yeah. the information that's been captured and yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. Well, th- a lot of that information from verse six is actually later is yeah. things that happen later. Yeah. That's, that's the, the correspondent that's um, during the reign of Xerxes and yeah. Artaxerxes. So he's just summarizing. He's saying, look, this is what we, the whole he's time. The we do. Yeah. yeah. So really the parenthesis stops at the end of verse 23 and verse 24. Then it says, thus work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill mm. until the second reign uh, of Darius. So that's a period of about 15 years. That's a fair, you know, that's a long period when you've still got, and, and you've got to imagine uh, Jerusalem at this point. So it's still a ruin. They're living amongst ruins. Yeah. All the walls are, yep. are, are all ripped down. Uh, that doesn't happen. The walls don't get rebuilt until Nehemiah Absolutely. comes. When you yeah. talk about building a city, that means rebuilding the walls. Yeah. So the city uh, is in ruins. The temples are in ruins, and they've mm-hmm. got this altar sitting up. It's a pretty sorry sight. I think at this stage, you've just got a building site for 15 years. Mm. Man, it doesn't send a great, you know, great message. But in the meantime, they got busy doing some other things, which we'll come to when we get to Haggai, building yep. their own That's right. Well, mm. this was also actually uh, during this period, uh, there's some significant hardship actually uh, during this period. And uh, particularly, uh, you know, by the time Darius takes over, you know, there's there's significant hardship. There's there's a bit of a famine. There's you know, I, I, and so the people are, are just struggling getting themselves uh, established. I mean, already you've moved to a completely different you know locale, and yep. you're setting up your farms and your crops, and you're just getting. I mean, that's there's getting a lot of work there to be order. done. Yeah, totally. So basically, what they do is that you know they they leave the old because of the opposition. They I don't know. I mean, they probably said, well, look, it's probably not the. T- um, I don't know how they justified that, mm. uh, but uh, the the opposition is compelling, and so it mm. comes to a standstill. And well, they, the funding the, was dependent on coming from the Persians, obviously. Yeah, you know, and and they said, hang on a minute. Stop everything until we figure out whether who who authorized this and we yeah 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 which they, which we're going to find out uh, yeah. they they do uh, so in the second year of Darius then you have these prophets that come to the people Haggai and Zechariah yep. and they are going to challenge the people about the the this rebuilding uh, of the temple and. Uh, we, we'll jump over to, to Haggai now, but we don't know really much else about Haggai. He's just a, a, a guy that appears during this during this period, and he, the the main theme of his ministry is uh, to challenge the people to prioritize the building of God's temple because mm-hmm. they've all gone off and they're building uh, their own places. So in Haggai chapter one verse three, uh, it says, "The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai." Uh, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house, that is the temple, remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. So he says, you have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. And so he basically points out, hey, if you would have prioritized the things of God 
as Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and these, and these other, things. other things will be given to you as well. Mm. Well, they go after the other things and those things are elusive mm. because they haven't you know, been seeking first the kingdom of God. That's the message pretty much yep. uh, of Haggai, Haggai. Uh, as well as, I guess, promises beyond that because he wants to inspire them with you know, you came, basically, you know, he's reminding them, you came back to be a part of fulfilled prophecy, not yeah. just to, you Live know, your life. not just to survive. Yeah. Okay. That's right. And there's nothing wrong with that in a sense that, you know, of course they have to survive and they have to build their houses and so forth, but it's the priority that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. Uh, they've left for 15 years, they've, you know, they've left the uh, the house of God in ruins. And, and you know, Haggai's reminding them, you stepped into this for this reason and what he does is sow some vision beyond even that. And he talks about, you know, in, in chapter two, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, mm. the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Uh, the silver is gold. The, go- the, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house, says Haggai in verse nine, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, yeah. says the Lord Almighty. So he's you know, he's spurring them on to build. Now, it's interesting because when they did build it, of course, there was no sense of the glory of the Lord that's returning right. to the temple at that time. That doesn't make this... No, that's right. Uh, that doesn't make this false. It, it just Hasn't means yet. it's beyond. Yeah, it's beyond that particular period. So he's... Haggai's projecting beyond that, uh, beyond that period. Mm. So that's the that's a little summary of the of the ministry of Haggai. It's a short book. I I find that book a wonderful challenge for all of us because mm. that that point about seeking first the kingdom of God mm. and not all these other things totally. is something that we just need to continually be reminded of. And I think the other thing for me from the book of Haggai is the promises that Haggai made and the prophecy that he made about. Uh, about blessing from deprivation to blessing, uh, you know, didn't wait until they'd finished. As yeah. soon as they turned and started, yeah. the blessing came. So yeah, it's, that's it's right. like God's not, we've not got to get somewhere before God is with us. We've just got to turn, yeah. face him and be walking in the right direction. That's right. Yeah. And it's really interesting what happens when they start. Yes. You see the providence Totally. You know, it's like step out and then see what happens. See, they stopped because of the opposition. Yeah. What they should have done is keep going and then actually Observe some God's things book. would have happened yeah. because what, what happens here, so this is where actually Zerubbabel now comes to prominence. Mm. So uh, along with Joshua, who's a, who's a head priest, they start rebuilding the temple and the neighbors then So we're now see back this. in Ezra, just, just for people. That are oh, we're now about. back in Ezra chapter, chapter five. five. Yep. Okay. Yep. And it says that the that Tatnai, the governor of Trans Euphrates, and this you know these uh, other people, you know, they challenge them, and then they write a letter to uh, to King Darius, and they ask, you know, like who authorized this, yeah. um, and so they then say what answer they, you know, the the Jews gave to them. Now, what they're trying to catch them out because because when uh, Tatnai challenge the Jews who authorized you to do this. They said Cyrus did, right? Yeah. And in fact, he even gave us the money to do this. Yeah. And so if that's a lie, they're in big trouble. Yes. Like really, really big trouble. And the and Tatnai and these guys 
uh, these Samaritans, they're thinking, oh, this is a good chance to, <laughs> to, to, to call them out and get, get yeah. this dealt with because, you know, they're clearly lying uh, because that wouldn't be the case. Yeah. And so so we'll send a letter and we'll ask them to check the records. Well, what, they, what happens is Darius does check the records and, and sure they enough. find out yeah. that, yes, this was the case. And then Darius commands them to raise the money uh, for this. Uh, so not only do they not can they not stop the building project, but now they actually have to That's give right. them money, right, <laughs> to do this building project. Yeah. Man, this is like uh, you know payback. pie in your face sort of stuff here <laughs> for them. But this is classic biblical. You know, this is the you see this this same kind of thing throughout scripture. It's like step forwards, yeah. and you'll see the provision of God. In fact, that's hinted back in uh, verse five. You know, you get this hint, but the eye of their God was watching over the elders of the Jews. Yeah. You know, in the, as it says this in the middle of, of the challenges, you know. Yeah. So in, in chapter six, that's where you have the decree uh, of, of Darius, where he sends out the archives. You know, verse eight, moreover, I hereby decree that what you are to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction of the house, uh, house of God, their expenses are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury and, and so forth and so forth. Um, it's, it's just great. And then yeah. verse 11. And if anyone gets in the way, oh, yeah, they're going to yeah. pay the price, you know, rip out a beam from their house and essentially nail in, them to impale it. Impale them on it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, like, guys, this kind of backfired on you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, that's right. Like whatever is needed, he says, young bulls, I mean, massive list, uh, yeah, you know, sure salt, wine, it, olive oil. I mean, these are all valuable things mm. as requested by, must be given to them daily without fail, right? Yeah. So he's saying to these guys, you need to give this to them daily. Yeah. And that's a lot of stuff. Uh, that they then have to hand over. Man, they must have been sorry that they ever uh, brought and this hence, up in the first place. And you know, you can understand then the sort of animosity, I guess, between the Jews and the Samaritans in Jesus' time. Yeah. That had just carried on. Remember, yeah. the Samaritans had their own hill that they worshipped on, and, yeah. and there was all these arguments about this stuff. So you can see where this kind of seeded. Yeah, yeah that's right. Anyway. So they build uh, they build the temple. Uh, they dedicate the, the temple Again, as I said, it's not that you don't have the same manifestation of the presence of God. In, in a sense, yeah. you don't get this, you know, tangible sense of the glory of the Lord returning to the temple. Mm-hmm. So there's a, again, you get this sense of anticlimax uh, here. There's still something that they're going to be that they're going to be waiting for. Uh, they celebrate the Passover. Well, um, all the festivals really. They yeah, started yeah, that's to, right. To yeah. celebrate festival yeah. of tabernacles or yeah. booths and, yeah. and and Passover, etc., which was the first time probably they'd been able to really do that in the open in Jerusalem, and. Yeah. Temple, yeah, seventy years. Yeah, that's right. So then, then we have a break. So, uh, so chapter seven, there's a big break between yes. the end of chapter six and chapter seven. Fifty-seven years later, basically. So mm-hmm. we 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 shift forward to four fifty-eight uh, BC. Big big time gap, you know. Yes, so they've, you know, that's they've they've been there with the temple. We have this silent period. We don't know what happened uh, during that fifty-seven years, but during this time, Ezra, who is evidently, and this is during the the reign of Artaxerxes, mm. he is he was uh, obviously important. He, he was in Babylon. Yep. So he was one of the ones that was in captivity. Yeah. Obviously had some had, prominence in yeah. the royal court. And potentially hadn't come back until this time. So he was potentially still in Babylon mm. until, you know, 50 years after the first yeah, that's right. had yeah. gone back. And yeah. now he's coming. Uh-huh. Yeah, so so it's not like all the Jews came over at, at one go. There was an initial uh, lot, and then uh, and then others uh, came later. And Ezra is going to come later. And of course, 
uh, you know, guys like this needed to get permission to go. I mean, Daniel, for example, never yeah. went because he was yeah. a high official yeah. and, and he was never uh, authorised to go. So he, he he stayed there, including, by the way, and we'll, you know, we'll see the Book of Esther. Mm. In the Book of Esther, you see that there's a whole big Jewish community that identified distinctly as Jews yes. still in, in the diaspora that didn't come back, back. right? Yep. So, and God is still going to honour them even. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's with them. So anyway, so Ezra, uh, Ezra uh, has is sent back actually by uh, Artaxerxes and to, you know, ensure that, you know, everything, I mean, he's, he's going over as a sort of envoy of the king, but he's also a godly man and he's going to go and ensure that uh, they're, you know, following the law of their God and so forth. Uh, some law is better than no law. You know, uh, they respected the fact that, you know, if these people followed their law, uh, that's going to be better than than chaos back there. So he's sent um, back to uh, back to Jerusalem. It's a it's a massive, a massive uh, journey for Ezra. But we have in the uh, chapter seven also King Artaxerxes' letter to Ezra. Interesting, yep. all the records here, isn't it? Ah, it Stu? is. Like, you have all these official records that are included in this, yeah. because you know this is this is history, and they mm. want they want subsequent uh, people to know, to subsequent it. generations to know this is this really all happened, and here are the uh, official records, and so. potentially also because they recognised the importance of the records or the law mm. when they were in exile, mm. and had they not yeah. had that to refer yeah. back to, they wouldn't have had yeah. the record of God's faithfulness to them. So yeah. again, trying to make sure that's carried forward. That's right. So again, uh, Artaxerxes is you know, continues the policy uh, of Cyrus. It's mm. to ensure that these people keep up their prayers and their, you know, that the temple services are provided for. And he sends a lot of, uh, it, evidently they'd found more articles from the original temple of yeah. Solomon. So he sends yeah, those, those articles well. also back uh, with Ezra. And, and a long list of people that went back yeah, then as well. The next that's batch right. of people. That's right. And he, and he wants... Uh, you know, he wants sacrifices again to be to be offered for for him and so forth, and so similar uh, policy there. And, and he, he's putting uh, Ezra, uh, in, you know, in in charge in that sense. Um, so Zerubbabel. Uh, so we move on from the time uh, of Zerubbabel, uh, obviously. So to Ezra, uh, yeah. yeah. There's the words of praise at the end. Ezra says, "Praise be to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who has put it into the king's heart to bring honor to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way, mm. and so forth." So, yeah. So, there's a list of uh, family heads who return with, with Ezra, uh, with Ezra, mm. and, and a uh, little bit of uh, reflection on their journey on the way, where they stopped yep. and yeah, that's rested right. and prayed and, yep. and and so forth. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. They they celebrate the fact that they've, um, you know, they've returned safely. I mean, he he didn't want to ask. The king for uh, an armed escort because he <laughs> thought I just felt ashamed uh, yeah. to, to ask for that because, you know, I've made this big thing about trusting in God. and then, So now we have to. Yeah, so now we have to trust in God, which was actually really good because they acknowledge that on that massive journey where, where a caravan like that. Five or six I mean, months. I mean, yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, normally that, there's no way a caravan like that wouldn't be robbed. and With all and that gold and plundered. silver as well because yeah. they were bringing back Absolutely. all these treasures from the temple. And so that's why they're celebrating. When they yeah. get there, they have it's this like, big celebration. It's like, man, we're still alive yeah. and we've still got all this gold and silver. Yeah. That actually is a miracle at this yeah. time uh, in the ancient world. And I think to me it also speaks to if we don't ever step out of provision for ourselves, if, if he hadn't actually trusted God for that and had asked the king, yeah. 
he wouldn't have been able to see God's hand That's right. in protecting them to get yeah. there. It would have been like, oh, well, thankfully we had the soldiers, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. this was a way of allowing God to show yeah, that's right. To them. Yeah. yeah. So that's in chapter eight where you yeah. have that. It's really, I, I, that I think was really significant. I thought yeah. that was great. Then we have this situation in, in. So Ezra's now arrived in Jerusalem. Yeah. So he's arrived in We're Jerusalem. Moving on to chapter nine. That's right. And, and he discovers that in this period, this 57 year period, that they had actually started intermarrying with the people uh, around them. Probably even many of them divorcing their Jewish wives to marry these, okay. uh, right. these, these yeah. other people. And this is, I mean, this is a big deal because this is really going to threaten their, their, their continuity as the people as of God, yeah. you know. And, um, of course, remember, th- this is a law for a time, of course. You know yes. what I mean? There's a yes. particular time where they have to remain distinct, mm. and that was always going to have a limit on it. But, you know, it's still this time. But now it's particularly important because, again, I mean, how did they keep their identity in exile, yeah. how do they keep from assimilating? Because they didn't intermarry. This is the, they're still essentially under. They're still within Persia. You know what I mean? Uh, they're a small people group in this massive uh, empire. empire, and they need to keep their their identity. Yeah. So uh, when he hears about this, and it's interesting, what happens here is that Ezra goes in, into the court. And and he just sits there in in customary, penitential mm. outfit, you know, and he's uh, you weeping. know he's weeping and he's tearing his hair out, yeah, and he's confessing the sins of, uh, of the people. Praise, I mean, the the prayer in Ezra, uh, chapter nine, is such a, a moving prayer because you know he's saying, Lord, you have done all of this for us, mm. and we have now sinned against you. We have done it again. It's a beautiful, yeah. heartfelt prayer. And interesting, just before that, it interests me that he also he singles out really the leaders and the officials, the ones who should yeah. have been setting the example, yeah. the ones who had actually led in the in the sense of not setting the example, and hence then his confession that you know these people who should have been the leaders yeah uh, have actually been the ones stepping outside of yeah 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 that's right and you know it's it's interesting that as he's doing that people start joining him you can imagine because ezra this is the most prominent you know guy in in town now and and they observe him and they all come and pretty much what's wrong ezra i mean yeah Yeah. i mean you you kind of get this Revival, really, like, mm. you know, in the sense mm. that they all come and they realize. So, and one of the things I love about his prayer, he, he's not. It's not them. Yeah, it's not done them. They've, it's, he actually owns this yeah. as though we, he, we, it's him. Me. He does not separate himself from the sins of yeah. his people. He says, Lord, we have sinned. I can, I'm too ashamed to come near. He completely owns, owns it. it. You know yeah. what I mean? He, he carries that. And I think that's, you know, a wonderful example of this corporate way of thinking. Mm. And so, you know, with that, this sparks this kind of awakening to this. And, and so all the people come and they're weeping and they're, they're confessing their sins. But then, you know, it's like, what do you do now, right? Because we're all intermarried. Now, it never, by the way, says here that God told them to do this or... No. But they come up with this. But not even Ezra. No, not even Ezra. he laid out the problem. Yeah. And the seriousness of it and said, and then they come up, well, okay, well, maybe we should do this. And so, in a sense, in many ways... They um, get themselves into a knot and, they, and ropes have to be cut in yes, a sense to use correct. that illustration. Yeah. But, you know, Ezra, in, in a way, like he, he says okay to their plan at the yes. end, but he doesn't. They come up with their plan. Their no. plan basically is they send off uh, so, the, so the, foreign, the, the, the foreign women and actually the children get sent back to their, their households. And when I say they're sent back to their families in, in the, yeah. you know, amongst the nations where they came, it's pretty rugged. 
thing uh, to happen and and very sad situation. But you know they they'd got themselves in this knot, and so um, and Israel weeps yeah. over that. I think Israel realised the human cost of this yeah. as well. You know, it's not like he's kind of yeah, great. We've got you know. I think he the fact that he didn't eat, didn't drink water, was mourning yeah. over the unfaithfulness of the people. I think it was also around the co- what this was going to cost from a human point yeah. of view as well. That's right, and pretty much all the people agree to that too. By yes. the way, it's not yeah. enforced imposed on them. It's Correct. not imposed on them. Uh, as part of this thing that's happened, they they decide this, and and Ezra says, "Well, okay, I mean, you know, and and so this is what they do." And you know, it's interesting. The book finishes. The book of Ezra finishes with a list of the people that had intermarried, intermarried. and you know, so again, it's interesting. This is a particular. This is not a shaming thing. It's just making y- sure the records yeah, yeah. are there, and yeah. and also it's recognizing that these people made a sacrifice. Mm. Uh, you know, then and and they were they were you know eager to you know to make this right. So it's not just a shaming thing; recognizing that they did something about it as well. And so that's where the book of Ezra finishes. And again, remembering that the books of Ezra and Nehemiah are this kind of one block. And so you get the the whole thing is organized pretty much under three leaders. You've got the time of Zerubbabel, which is that up to one to six. You've got 7 to 11, which is the time of Ezra. Now, Ezra, when Nehemiah comes, Ezra is still around, so, uh, but, but Nehemiah is going to become uh, the next significant leader. Again, I think the thing that stood out to me from this, Stu, and, and we'll finish on this, we need to continually be reminded that God's purpose has to come first. It's so easy for us to relax that, lose sight of that. And when we lose sight of that, we compromise everything, even the things that we're pursuing in the moment. So the words of Jesus, I think, are ever true. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. Thrive.